Take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's where we are today in our series, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's the key concept for this morning. You, believer, have kingdom work to do. You have kingdom work to do. We're in a series of messages that is a little bit unusual in terms of uh, sermon series. In these messages, what I'm doing is I'm pulling the curtain back, so to speak, and showing you the biblical principles that structure the programs in the church that we run. You are the church, the body of Christ. The church is the people, but the people have programs that we engage in together, and those programs are structured because of what we believe the Bible tells us about our mission here in Stockton. And our mission is to win and build passionate lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we're here to do. And we believe that we can visualize that process happening uh, in a way that we've, we've, we've called the quail base path. And so for the last few weeks and today and then again next week, we're looking at the bases of the quail base path. These are not programs themselves. They are, these are outcomes in the lives of individuals that we want to see happen. Thus, we create the programs that, that helps us accomplish that. So on the cover of your bulletin today, you see the base path pictured. Two weeks ago, we, we talked about first base, and first base is all about winning the lost to Jesus Christ. And we recognize that in order to do that, we need to cultivate relationships with those who don't know Christ. We need to plant the seeds of the gospel into those relationships and prayerfully reap a harvest of souls through our evangelistic efforts. That structures our outreach and our evangelistic program, and you see that happening over the course of the year here at Quail, but that also is the structure of the Christian life. All of us should be cultivating relationships with the unsaved, planting the seeds of the gospel there, and hopefully prayerfully reaping a harvest of souls. That's first base. Last week, we talked about second base. Second base is build the believer. And like most churches, if you were to analyze the program of Quail Lakes Baptist Church, you would see that most of what we do falls under the category of build. Our educational ministries, our discipleship ministries, the Sunday Bible classes, the recovery groups, the prayer groups, the Bible studies, the seminars, the small groups, even the counseling ministry that you just heard about in terms of the lay counseling uh, training that's coming. All of that is to build people up to bring people to that understanding of who they are in Christ and and how Christ wants to uh, show them his principles through his word, growing in Christ as disciples. So that's win and build. But remember, the mission that we're on together as a church is to win and build passionate, lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. So you might say to yourself, well, well, how, what, where, where's the program that fits into that second half of the mission statement? And it's, the, it's third base and home plate, equip and mobilize. A passionate, lifelong follower of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? What does that look like? I define a passionate, lifelong follower of Jesus Christ this way. It is someone who, who uh, is a follower of Jesus and is equipped for kingdom ministry and mobilized to serve the Lord according to their divine design. That's 
a passionate, lifelong follower of Jesus Christ. That's the secret to being a passionate, lifelong follower of Jesus Christ. In other words, it's a person who says, I know who, who I am in the Lord, and I know what I am to do in His kingdom to glorify Him. So if you look at third base and home plate, that equipping and mobilizing fits into this, the, the, the raising up of passionate, lifelong followers. See, God does not intend for His saints to rust out because of lack of use. He wants us all to be active in some way serving His kingdom and His purposes. He expects that as we mature in Jesus, we continue to burn brightly in service for Him. We discover who we are, what we're designed to do, and as we do that, we are set free to say yes to the role that God has for us. The idea of serving according to your divine design, I believe, has the possibility of revolutionizing the church for the glory of God. I believe it has the chance to change the way that we serve the Lord and the way that we work together so that we can be much more effective for the kingdom and at the same time feel God's pleasure. There's nothing better than that. The story is told of two moose hunters who were up in northern Canada hunting moose. It was late in the season. There was snow on the ground, but they were near to a lake. The lake hadn't frozen over yet, and they finally got uh, their moose, but the moose that they got was so large that they couldn't possibly carry it out. They needed help, and so they used their cell phone. They called a company that had a seaplane. And they described the moose and said, we need help getting this moose out, here, out of the woods here. And so the, the, the pilot said, oh, I'm not so sure that my plane can bear up under the weight of the moose. But the hunters responded, oh, don't worry, we had one about this size last year, and a plane similar to yours helped us. Well, the pilot didn't want to lose any business, so, so he flew into the lake there and, and he got the moose strapped onto the, onto the seaplane, all the while wondering whether or not his plane could really get this moose, uh, you know, up into the air. And they, they encouraged him, relax, no problem, we did it last year. So finally the pilot gunned the plane, the, the pontoons of the plane started skimming over that water and he pulled up on that stick with all his might and he could feel the plane straining under the weight and just as they thought they were clearing the forest, they clipped a tree and the plane came down in the clearing just about a little, a little bit away from the lake there and they were rolling in the snow and as soon as they found out that everybody was okay, one of the hunters called out to the other hunters, hey, how did we do? And the answer was, we did great. We got 50 yards further than last year. <laughs> and I say that story because it illustrates to me so often how we function in ministry. We, we bring things about that, that almost do well, filling slots, like for instance, that seaplane, filling a slot of transport that he, they should never have, never have been called upon to do it. We, we fill slots with people. We try to get them to, to, to uh, say yes to, to volunteer ministry and grudgingly or out of guilt, they do. And we don't get the results that we want to get. But I think we can do better. And I think it's all about equipping. 
all about equipping the saints, knowing how God has designed us. You see, once we are committed to being equipped to serve the Lord, then it's not about filling slots in the volunteer positions in our programs. It's about finding fulfillment in God, feeling His pleasure as we serve Him because God has designed us to work for His glory. I think we can radically improve how we do that and as we serve Him as a passionate follower of Jesus. And as we do that, there are some principles from the Word of God that motivate us. And so today we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and and we're going to start the reading in verse 14, and follow along with me, and we'll notice the principles of working together for the glory of God. Verse 14, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians says this, Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. What are the principles that we see embedded here that guide us as we seek to serve the Lord? Well, the first principle is that we are all connected and we're all needed. There are various parts of the body. Each, each of those parts is vital to the whole, but they are different in their design. And God has designed the kingdom work to happen this way. He has designed the work of the kingdom to be accomplished by His people working together. It is as simple and as challenging as that. He has asked us to be the ones to serve Him. There's a story about a town in France that was heavily bombed during the Second World War. Because of the bombing, most of the town buildings were in ruins, and at the end of the conflict, the citizens had to begin to rebuild that town, and it was a long and tedious process. It was a heartbreaking thing to discover family homes reduced to rubble. But they worked together and they began to rebuild that small town. But what particularly struck the hearts of the the citizens of that town was in in the town square, there was at one time a statue of Jesus right in front of the church that was there in that town square. And it broke their hearts to see that that too was smashed. And so they hired an artist to come and they commissioned him to rebuild that statue. And he did a good job. He painstakingly sifted through the the ruins and he reconstructed that statue of Jesus, except for the fact that he couldn't redo the hands. The hands were pulverized and he couldn't remake them. And so he simply left the hands off of the statue. But they put a plaque in front of that statue and it said this, you are his hands. And that's true. We are the hands of Jesus. The kingdom of God 
is, is served by the people of God, and we are equipped for that service. This is the way God wants his work done. And he could have chosen other methods. He could have employed angels to spread the gospel. He could have employed other kinds of means that we may, may not even imagine to spread the gospel. But no, he chose to use us to do the work of the ministry to raise up our children, to educate the kids, to, to sponsor the youth programs and all the things that happen. He chose us to do that. And you have to ask the question, why? Why does God invest the work of ministry to the people of the church? And the answer is, it is because He loves us. And He knows that there is nothing better than serving the King in a way that fits your divine design. He recognizes that allowing us to do that is a gift of love for us. When we are involved, we are blessed. And I believe that completely. And I believe that for one reason is because I've seen the opposite of that. I've seen the attitude of church people who feel somehow, well, you know, I go to church fairly regularly, so don't you think I'm doing God a big favor? You know, he ought to be satisfied with that. I certainly don't have to get involved. I certainly don't have to serve in any particular way. I mean, I show up. I've seen the attitude that says, I'm just walking in and out of the church, you know, trying to to get a blessing, singing some songs, going home, and nothing else, no further thought. And I've watched that person dwindle and in a downward spiral, turn in on themselves and lose all the passion and fire for their faith. I've seen that. It's the opposite of a passionate, lifelong follower of Jesus Christ. And I know what it feels like to feel that fire and that sweet satisfaction of of sensing that the Holy Spirit has just used me to bless somebody else. That's a life that God wants us to experience, and that's where joy is found. And so God designs us on purpose for a purpose. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says this, but in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. God has arranged and designed us with intention, and he asks us to say yes to that design. And I think when we say yes to the design, the ministry of the church will lack nothing that God wants us to accomplish. When we, we, when we think we're serving according to our design with the intention of bringing glory to God, that's when we feel His pleasure and it's the most joyful way to live. And I think that failing to ask that question about ourselves is failing to pay attention to what the Bible teaches. It's to cheat ourselves out of a blessing and it is to let God down. As simple as that. See, we have been misled in the modern day church. We have been misled to think that we come to church to get a blessing rather than to give worship. But that's backwards. This is a service of worship towards God. He is the audience, not you. We are all to worship God. And we have missed something in the modern church. We have missed the model of Jesus that shows us that in the kingdom of God, the way up is down first. The way 
to a blessing, the way to joy, the pathway to joy is down in service. That's the model of Jesus. And in case you don't believe me, listen to the author to the Hebrews. In chapter 12, verse 2, he says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. The way to get to that joy and that glory was through the work of the cross. And the same is true for us. The way up is down. Remember that the next time there is a a ministry opportunity and you're tempted to say to yourself, nah, let somebody else do it. Think the way up is down. You're missing a blessing. We must stop talking in terms of what we ought to do and what we must do and what we should do. And we need to start talking in terms of what we get to do because the way up is down. Do we need ushers? Do we need nursery workers? Do we need food uh, distributing people on our monthly grocery giveaway? Do we need upward basketball coaches? Do we need people in the media ministry? All those places of service and much more I could name But if we believe that the way up is down, I say yes to that, and there is joy waiting. When you fall in love with Jesus, you see how he has designed his church, and it's the most joyful way to live. You see, your divine design is a glimpse into God's purposes for you. And this divine design uh, workshop that we're talking about, it, it rotates around allowing you to discover who God has made you to be. The components, what I call the matrix of of these components, creates you to be you. It is your life experiences that has shaped who you are now. It is your spiritual gifts. God has given you a spiritual gift or gifts if you know Christ as Savior. It is your areas of passion, the things that you care about. It is your human abilities, the talents that you have, your personality type. You don't have a bad personality. It might be different, but it's not bad. God can use all kinds of personality. We need to discover who we are and how we can serve the Lord. Your spiritual maturity is part of your, uh, part of your divine design. All of these components, this is what makes you, you. And that discovery is what the divine design workshop is all about. On third base, the divine design workshop is the heart of the program. Because there we discover when God looks at me, what does he see? But he looks on the inside, and he sees us all as people of purpose. And since he loves you and he's given you that design, he understands that as you operate in that design, it's the best way for you to live. And there are some wonderful things that happen when you sense that purpose that God has for you. The first thing is you see that I can be part of something great. I talk about that a lot, but I think we need to rejoice in the fact that when we say yes to Jesus, it is not in parentheses till heaven. When we say yes to Jesus, we are then part of what God is doing in the world. And understanding my divine design gives trajectory to my life. It gives direction. I can stop just kind of floating along, and I can understand what I'm here to do. Now, I know some of you are thinking, some of you are thinking, oh, man, this is just one more thing for me to worry about. I'm on overload as it is, and now I've got to worry about my divine design. You've got to complicate my life with this. No, it doesn't complicate your life. It simplifies your life. 
Because once we understand that, it puts us in a position of being able to see what I'm supposed to say yes to and what I'm supposed to say no to, instead of being pulled in a thousand directions all the time. The key is, God has designed you to say yes to something for His glory. And when we know our purpose and we glorify God, and as we glorify God, we feel His pleasure, and feeling the pleasure of God in your life, that is the joyful Christian life. Nehemiah 8.10 says this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. We are designed to walk in that joy. We are meant to live a life connected to the smile of God at the center of the universe. Pleasure in God is found when we feel the pleasure of God. And you feel the pleasure of God when you live a life according to His design, to give Him glory. You see, the writers of the Shorter Catechism way long ago got it right when they said, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, to enjoy your walk with God. He has created you for that. And it means we have to give Him proper place in our lives. The prophet Isaiah described that place when he said in Isaiah 64, 8, Yet, O Lord, You are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of Your hand. Now, that image of God as the potter shaping us on the potter's wheel, it runs all through the Old Testament particularly. It carries some important lessons for us. It shows us the power of God. It shows us the sovereignty of God. But it also shows us the lesson of design. Just like the potter molds with his hands each pot to serve a particular purpose, so the hand of God is molding each of us. And not all those pots are the same, and we are not the same. We are not meant to be. We are meant to live out a unique purpose. You see, the Bible teaches us that it is not society, it is not our environment, it is not our genes that ultimately shape us into who we are. Those mechanisms do, do affect, but behind all of that, there is an invisible hand, the hand of God fashioning us, shaping us. He is the master potter, and He has shaped you for a particular purpose. So what does it take to play our part, to be found in our role. First of all, it takes seeing yourself the way that God sees you, seeing yourself from the inside out, starting with the inner person, the inner design, that, that, that matrix of those components that God has built into your life. Remember, man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. He looks at the heart of who you are. He looks, he looks past outer limitations, and the key is to see ourselves the way He sees us. And secondly, it takes deploying our gifts, using the gifts that God has given us for the common good. You see, the, 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 the call that God has on your life, the ministry that He has in mind for you, it is possible and it is beneficial because He has designed it. It's meant to give blessing to others. It, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be anything that brings you onto the, onto the platform or whatever, but it, it's something. And those things are important. Now, here's an objection that I often run into about this point in my talk. The objection is, it's not possible that God designed me in some special way because I'm not special. 
Yes, you are. Each of us, unique in the eyes of God. But we need to step away from the things that we throw up to kind of uh, get in the way of our, of our own understanding of our equipping. We say, oh, I'm too old. Or we say, I'm too young. Or I'm too poor. Or I'm too bad. I've done too many bad things. I've gone to too many bad places. I've had too many bad habits. We might say, I have too many kids. I have too much demand on my time because of my job, or I'm retired now and I want to travel the world. All kinds of excuses pile high. But I want you to see that obedience is always possible. And once we understand the obedience and the service that God calls us to, it is pleasurable. It is joyful. From the Word of God, we know there's a place of service for us all. And the ministry that God has when we faithfully follow, will bring you joy. You see, sometimes we envision, you know, if I say yes to serving the Lord in some capacity, you know, it's going to be boring, or it's going to be misery. I'm going to be stuck. But I believe that, I, that idea has caused us to have a lot of, you know, Christian spectators rather than participants. And, and part of it is because we think that Saying yes to service is going to change our life for the worse rather than the better. But rather, I know for sure that when you say yes to service, it brings fulfillment. So what happens, though, when we, when we go into the mindset that says serving God is going to be misery, we divide our lives, and we divide our lives this way. We believe in Jesus for our eternity, but we look in the, into the world for our fun and for our pleasure and for our happiness. And that is a tragic division that we shouldn't make as followers of Jesus Christ. That's a lie. If we understand the joy that is found when we're in the center of God's will, we understand that that service and righteousness and happiness go together, go hand in hand as we live for the glory of God. The most joyful thing you can ever do is to give God glory. The most best life you could ever live is a life in the center of His will. Lives sold out to Jesus are the most fulfilled lives of all. And the best friendships you will ever make are the friendships that you make serving side by side in a role that God has called you to. And it begins by understanding that role. Also, we need to understand that the ministry that God has for each of us has some variety. Sometimes we think, well, I'm going to get stuck in a place and I'm going to, for the next 50 years, be doing this particular thing. That's not true. Your design is moldable and adaptable to many things, and God will lead you and show you. And last, we, we, need, we need to understand that what we do is going to be for the, for the common good. We are all benefited as we rightly use our gifts, and we are all hurt when we say no to service. So imagine what it would be like If everyone who had the gift of mercy was using mercy in this body of believers, if everyone who has the gift of teaching was actively teaching the Word to our children and to our youth and to to one another, if everyone who had the gift of evangelism was actively reaching out and witnessing for Jesus and bringing them in, we would be revolutionized as a body of believers and continue that for all of the designs that God has for us. Now, that image of what that might look like is where we're going to start next week at Home Plate. But first, let me read a quote to you from Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. This convicted me years ago. He wrote this, Only you can be you. 
God designed each of us so that there would be no duplication in the world. That means that no one else on earth will ever be able to play the role that God has planned for you. And if you don't make your unique contribution, it will not be made. Why? Because only you can be you. And we together are to raise up passionate, lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. When we say yes to our divine design, that's the road we'll travel. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us enough to not leave us on the sidelines. We thank you that you love us enough to know that fulfillment comes as we say yes to our design. Help us to be the kind of persons who will do that with humility, seeking to give you glory. Bless us as we seek to grow in your grace, for we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.